Hey folks, and welcome to the Deconstructor of Fun podcast. Your host today, Mishka Katkov, and today we're going to talk about one of my favorite cities, Helsinki, Finland, with a couple of my favorite people. In the topics, we're gonna we're gonna cover a lot of things today. We're gonna talk about how the gaming sector got started, really spending a lot of time discussing the demo scene that was that was sort of a, the launcher of the gaming here in the city, and then we're gonna talk about how how the work transitioned towards mobile to to the free to play where it is today. We're going to talk about why the ecosystem here is so unique, how the founders are really helping each other versus competing. We're going to talk about the exits and there's a lot of exits that have occurred here and probably a lot of exits that will occur in the future. Um, we're going to talk about Supercell, especially how Supercell has led the way of working small autonomous teams that is very much the way the city or the gaming companies in the city still work. We're going to talk about the talent in the city because there's a lot of companies, a lot, a lot of companies in a very small town. So how we're getting more talent, how we're keeping the uh, the wheels turning as, as the games get bigger. You need more and more people to, to build those awesome games. Um, we're going to talk about the VC circuit here in the city. And we are going to talk about what has gone right and what has evolved uh, and what the city has gotten right and what the gaming companies has gotten right and what the sort of challenges in the future. So overall, really interesting podcast uh, for those who know Helsinki, those who have heard about Helsinki, especially for those who live here and who, uh, who kind of want to know a little bit more insights of how it evolved into this current position. And if you haven't listened to the episode that came in prior to this, where we talk about Tel Aviv, and the ecosystem in Tel Aviv, I suggest you listen to that and you listen to this because these two cities are both very unique, very cool, very much growing, awesome ecosystems for mobile games. And they're also very, very different. The games that come out of there of the both cities are different and the way they function is very different. But I think if you're in a city that is not in Tel Aviv or not Helsinki, if you're thinking about your own ecosystem and what kind of ecosystem it should be, I think it should be somewhere in the middle. I think that's the sweet spot. I don't know. I love Helsinki. I love Tel Aviv, but I think like the next thing is somewhere in the middle. Anyways, let me know how you feel. Um, just join the Deconstructor Fun Slack channel. Uh, connect with me or with Joseph Kim to get the invite. And um, let's continue conversation on that side. So without further ado, of course, our amazing sponsors, and then the conversation. So, hope you guys enjoy this. We pretty much use just about every single product that uh, Iron Source offers. We're, we're completely integrated with the platform. Of course, the mediation products, all ad ad products, and the company that can assist us in doing UA and monetization and all the uh, additional products that come along with it. It takes a lot of uh, headache away from us. It takes a lot of the hard, busy work off of our hands. Having a kind of an all-in-one platform. That you just heard Andrew Stone. He's the CEO at Random Logic Games, who use Iron Source's platform to grow their games in the smartest way possible. If you want to grow like Random Logic, you can get the SDK on Iron Source's website. That's ironsrc.com. We all know it. Mobile marketing is going through a paradigm shift. With the industry moving towards a more aggregate way of measuring marketing efforts, Marketers' ability to measure and understand the impact of their marketing investments is further curtailed. AppsFlyer, though, is not sitting on the sidelines. The company has set a goal to help their customers and the entire mobile ecosystem to successfully navigate the new era of mobile marketing. And that's where AppsFlyer's latest product, the incrementality solution, comes to play. 
It's a product that truly empowers marketers to gain a better understanding of the real value that their marketing efforts hold. AppsFlyer's incrementality solution is built around remarketing. It simplifies the process of designing, executing, and analyzing incremental lift tests at scale, which previously was something that only the biggest players on the market were able to do. With, with incrementality, marketers can focus on the end goal of their test without actually having to worry about the heavy lifting that comes with it. To learn more about incrementality and to read the success stories from publishers like Kabam, I suggest that you head out to appsflyers.com. Welcome, welcome, welcome. So on the podcast, we have Harri Manninen, who a few years ago founded Rocket Pack that was then acquired by Disney. You're the founding partner of Play Ventures and literally the board member of every up and coming game studio from Helsinki. Welcome, Harri. Thanks for the invite, Miska. Happy to be here. And we have awesome Joachim Akren, known today as the founder of Elite Game Developers, probably the best source for games founders in the world. Previously, Joachim was the founder and chief product officer of Next Games, which IPO'd and Helsinki Stock Exchange. Joachim is also an early Supercellian and founded a company actually even before that. It's a long-time founder. Joachim, welcome to the podcast again. Thanks, Miska. Happy to be here. All right. Today's topic is going to be easy for us. So we're going to talk about Helsinki, this beautiful northern city, but now we're not going to talk about the climate. We're going to talk about <laughs> how awesome this place is for making games. So a little fun fact, it's actually the northern parts of Finland are closer to the North Pole than the northern parts of Iceland. I was just looking at random facts and just seeing how far north we are because it's it's pretty depressing. Uh, but some other facts, we have a population of Helsinki is about 650,000. Uh, Greater Helsinki is 1.5 million and Finland as a whole is 5.5 million. So pretty small country. In comparison, San Francisco is a little bit less than 1 million. Uh, the greater San Francisco, uh, San Francisco Bay Area is 7.1 million and the population of US is 330 million. So that's just some comparison numbers. At the same time, Helsinki is known for pretty much unrivaled gaming sector these days. We've got Supercell, Rovio, Small Giant, Seriously, Zynga has a studio here, EA has a studio here, Ubisoft. We've got Next Games, we've got services like Game Refinery, we've got countless gaming startups that are really booming like reworks future play metacore we got geek lab and even some award-winning AAA developers such as remedy with their latest game control so my question for you guys is how did this gaming sector get started and how did it evolve to what it is today how did you want to go first yeah so so how much time do we have Mish? because i think it's time for a history lesson to, <laughs> okay. to, to kick this off so So you know, I was I was born in in 1979. So I'm now I'm turning 42 soon. So I'll be I'll be reaching the the meaning of life. Um, but you know, I, I think you have to go back to like the early 80s almost, um, and and the sort of the the emergence of the personal computer. And I think my generation was was the generation where you know all our, our dads had a PC or, or some sort of personal computer at home, and and that sort of you know a generation of computer hobbyists was was formed in the in in the 80s late 80s and early 90s and uh i think this 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 uh, sort of subculture of of people working and and sort of playing around with computers 
uh, led in, especially in the Nordics, led to something that we call the demo scene. Um, and the demo scene was, was a, a computer subculture, an incredible sort of um, melting pot of, of talent, um, you know, coding talent, uh, graphics talent, uh, musical talent, uh, design talent. And, you know, the demo scene sort of, it culminated into these demo parties that you had. And one of the, one of the biggest demo parties um, on a global scale was Assembly, which was founded by Jussi Laakkonen and, and, and Pekka Aakko, who eventually then founded uh, Amplifier, which became a part of Unity. And, and, and that, that demo party is still going after almost 30 years. So the first one was in 1992. And like the, these demo parties, you, you, there was a competitive environment in which these demo scene groups would try to outperform one another. Um, and they were already like those demo, demo groups were already organized into functions. Like I said, graphics, coding, music, management, design. Um, and one of the things that was really important about demos were that you were squeezing extreme performance out of limited hardware and creating these awesome audiovisual, um, you know, creative works. And, you know, obviously all of those skills translate extremely well into making interactive entertainment, so games. Um, and, and I think an interesting part of, of the demo scene and assembly as, is uh, also that they were extremely international, even in the mid nineties. So we had, you know, I, I, my, my cousin who was my co-founder at, at Rocket Pack, he was extremely active in this scene. So he, he made a lot of tracker music and I, I made some as well. Um, and we were part of the demo scene I think the demo scene, um, uh, assembly, music juries and stuff like that. And you always had like in those parties, there was people from the US, from, from Eastern Europe, from, from everywhere in the world, basically. And I checked this with Jussi Lakkonen this, this morning because I knew we were going to do this podcast that Tim Sweeney actually attended assembly twice. So once in 1993 and once in the early 2000s. And he was then already the founder of Epic. So Epic had a, like a strong tie to the demo scene as well. And I did another check, which I think is just an example of how the demo scene evolved into, into the current sort of a gaming ecosystem in the Nordics, and especially Helsinki. Um, if you look at the video game companies with strong demo scene ties um, in the Nordics, obviously Remedy, Bugbear, um, Housemark, in, in Sweden, Dice, Digital Illusion, Starbreeze, um, in the UK, Lionhead Studios. So all of these companies have like extremely strong uh, ties to to the demo scene, so I think that was that was if if we're not talking specifically mobile games, I think that was a of a, a key part on how the gaming sector got started here in the in Helsinki and the Nordics in general. I, I think like continuing from there, thinking about like how that hobby layer turned into jobs or, or basically professions in the gaming. I think because we had we had early gaming companies like. Uh, Remedy. There were other ones before Remedy already, and it was like booming already in the mid '90s. Just like these crews, the demo scene crews were starting gaming companies. Yeah, I mean, so Remedy it, came out of Remedy yeah. came out of a, a Future Crew became basically yeah. a lot of the Future Crew guys founded Remedy. Yeah, and that that basically like spawned a lot of these companies, and then at the same time, Nokia was coming up as a as a big player in the, the mobile space. This was still like, you know, thinking about the, the phones back in those days in the late 90s, you, you didn't really have the capabilities 
to to run really like awesome games you had uh, the snake which was of, of course the most awesome game ever but then then gradually you got into the 2000s and nokia started pushing the the gaming like the handset gaming uh, abilities and finally going into engage and at those i think those at those stages the whole whole ecosystem started to to kind of like generate around like okay we we got some gaming companies here but even more more companies started coming up like Mr. Good Living, Sumea, which is the company that the Supercell founders had founded before Supercell. That was that was probably 2001 or 2002, and the, and the dozens of these smaller studios that were doing Java mobile games. So that was the the time when I was I was starting my career in gaming as well in the early 2000s. In a sense, like I my first job in gaming was to do actually these kind of text message games uh, where you'd have a, like a, a, some some sort of like you know service that asks you to to pick like a b c d options like yeah you know you, you're gonna open the door or you're gonna continue walking the hallway and you'd pick one of these options with a text message uh, of course that's that was like what could you do on the mobile, which you could monetize? And those those text message games were monetizing quite well. And and in a sense, like those those companies got the talent from the demo scene, from those people who were coding stuff as a as a hobby. I think like bigger bigger changes started happening when Engage came along. You got like project funding from Nokia, and mm. you could you could really like build build sort of projects it was the times when it still wasn't like venture-backed companies they were these were mostly like project funding and stuff like that and the so, the thing that really like happened there was that m- many of the universities started creating their own game development lines you know that you could specialize as a programmer that you're you're coming out of the university and you already know about game development I remember doing like a few lectures in Helsinki in 2005 in, on game development. And if I think about the people that were in the classes back then, like a lot of them are now seniors in the industry, like 15 years later. So I think that everybody really picked up the, the momentum and I grabbed it. And I think that's how it evolved into what it is today. So I have to ask like, okay, so when I kind of summarize this together, like we had, um, extreme performance out of limited hardware there's it was international scene people knew how to make games so there was a tremendous amount of interest and capabilities when working on games and nokia was the kind of a catalyst for this because there was no vc money like there is now and nokia was the one that was funding these projects so people could actually work in games but the interesting question is how come we have this big free-to-play mobile uh, sector right now and then not like sort of a, like they would have in UK where there would be more AAA type of studios. Like where did this free to play come along? Because I started my career at Digital Chocolate in 2010, working on Facebook games, social games. And actually how do you were making a, a game on, or an engine and a game on, on social games. So how did Vins yep. become good at free to play? That's a really weird question. Hey, before, before we get to that, I, I think like, one of the things that happened that, that Nokia and Engage was, was incre- incredibly, um, uh, had a lot of influence on was I think the ambition level and especially the ambition level in mobile because remember I, I started my gaming career on the gaming media side so I founded a gaming media company 
And, and I was, I was the, the CEO of that company. And, and, you know, all of our media properties, the magazines and the websites, they were all about, you know, console games and, and PC AAA. And back then, like, you know, this was in, you know, early 2000s, um, you know, mobile games weren't considered quote unquote real games. And, 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 and they were quite simple. And it was part, partly obviously due to hardware limitations and, and, and things like that. But I think like Nokia with Engage was the first one uh, and I, I know that was a spectacular failure in some ways, but I think the ambition level was was incredibly high. And I think I think like they 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 really went out and, and tried to do like a lot of PR and outreach toward like gaming specialist media as well. And so that even though you know that that never really materialized and, and you know spawned countless memes about side talking and and whatnot, I, I think I think what that created was sort of a an, an ambition level that hey, mobile games can be like extremely influential and can can become this uh, you know mass market. And I think that was the first time that at least when I was still on the media side, like people started to take pay, pay closer attention into what was happening on the mobile side. Yeah, thinking about the whole Engage initiative, it's it was super bold. If you think about like Nokia as a company doing that kind of leap into gaming, in leap into the unknown, uh, which didn't create success for them, but it created a lot of success for this ecosystem in Helsinki in Finland. Like I think like the the comparison to these other ecosystems around the world in gaming, these hubs where you have a PC and console development legacy. But I, I think because of Nokia, we really developed a sector which was clearly born with this mobile mindset that we didn't have to transition from PC to, to mobile, but the, it was kind of like the mobile gaming developers spawned on their own. Yeah, I, I think that's the different big difference here in Finland where you know you, you didn't need to go from the legacy industries to, to learn the ropes in mobile. So we had this head start in diversifying gaming because we had more Nokia here. Yeah, I would, I would actually agree. And I would come from a little bit different angle because when I started, there was very little mobile games. It was pretty much Facebook Canvas. But there were these people, these guys, because mainly guys who had worked on mobile game before. So they were already relics at that point. And we're like, this guy worked on a mobile game. I'm like, really, a mobile game? That sounds crazy because you know, you would have pretty simple phones at that point. Um, but I think what the mobile games really helped out is that they, they set the, as you guys said, the limitation of what a game is. And when you understand the, the, at the simple score, like this is the game, it's easier from that point on to build social games and start building on top of them versus developers that worked on AAA game or back then, whatever it was, AAA game, where you consider a single game being such a big entity and you start building and it takes a long time. This ecosystem had already, already been taught to build simple games, and mm -hmm. I think that's yeah. that's where it starts. Um, and the the free to play kind of like I remember when when social gaming started, um, you know, two thousand nine, two thousand ten was was big, uh, and that kind of was was teaching us free to play and and how to make free to play games. Like we were among the first ones making free to play games in in Finland. So um, yeah, yeah, I think Miska that 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 shift really from those Java mobile games to, to Facebook canvas to do mm -hmm. social games. The reason why so many people jumped at that opportunity is because there was like freedom to distribute and have a direct relationship with the, the mm -hmm. end consumer, which was yeah. impossible with Java games. That was 
like not happening. So yeah, I, I definitely agree that there was like a maybe three to four years of you know we left mobile in a sense uh, as the the industry shifted towards social games. But then it came back with a big like bang when when distribution on mobile started working. I, I was kind I, of. I, yeah, I was kind of trying to lead you on early on with these northern talks because usually when we talk about Finland and we talk about Finnish ecosystem, it's like, well, the weather is so shitty and mm-hmm. it's really in such a not nice place to live that people just like being inside and playing games. That's where yep. they filmed in. But you didn't you didn't bite on that. So okay, let's <laughs> let's Yeah, let's it really depends what you do inside, I think. <laughs> yeah. So let's let's talk about the uh the uniqueness of this ecosystem because I've I've worked in, in the Bay Area. And I worked here, and this is truly a unique system in the way how founders help each other. So there's a strong drive for collaboration, and I don't feel that there's a lot of sort of a rivalry or even competition between the founders. Um, you know, in quite simplicity, like I can, we were in a building where there's a lot of founders. I can go anywhere, and they will tell me exact numbers that they're having with things, and they will tell you know, give me the uh, the people that I'm looking for. So they're they're not seeing as as our win or is away from them and, and their win is not from away from us. So that's very unique. But you're familiar with, with other ecosystems. Like what are the sort of pros and cons what we have here in Helsinki compared to other 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 areas? Harry, do you want to go first? Uh, yeah, I, I can go first. So so I think this has always been true and and you know the the IGD events which you know, eventually became the biggest parties in, in Helsinki on a Tuesday with, with with thousands of developers being there. They started off really small. I mean, I, I remember going to an early IGD event uh, uh, where it was, I think it was in a William K, like a like this this British style pub. And there was like, you know, 15, 15 gaming people around the table and just like being as open as they were like, you know, 10 years later with 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 thousand thousand X bigger numbers, right? So I think I think you know, we grew into that sort of uh, culture of sharing. But I think the other thing is is that the the sort of the domestic market. And here we come to the fact that we're so we're so north here, and 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 our country is so small that the domestic market was not really ever a target for anybody. Like nobody really built games for Finland. So I think everybody always saw that you know there's a there's a big global opportunity, and it's big enough to support. You know, all of all of us from Helsinki, and and like you know, the, the the pie kept on growing bigger, and and there was there was plenty of slices to go around, and I think there was a, like a mutual share, uh, like a like a like a mutual um, goal of of making everybody better um, around you as well, and and it wasn't like a like a zero sum game where, you know, if if you guys make a hit game, that's something away from 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 us. It it it, it never felt like that, and I think I think us sort of springboarding from a very small and remote country to the global stage and and this was obviously you know facilitated by by free to play by these mm-hmm. digital distribution channels where and and, and self publishing so so suddenly we could become you know even from a small country like finland we could become the biggest in the world and i think i think that was a key part of it and it it's it's different to to some like if you if you look at some of the some of the uh, markets where there's a lot of domestic competition, um, you know Japan, Korea, uh, those companies tend not to be very collaborative because they they so they're so used to that um, crazy competition in their in their domestic markets and it's all sort of like zero sum. 
So it doesn't come natural for, for, for some, of these, some of these markets. But I think in Finland, like, uh, you know, the fact that there always has been a bigger share of the pie globally that, that we all can, can go after and help each other uh, achieve, I think that's been a, a key part of the culture. Yeah, and, yeah. And, uh, if I may say, like, I, I'll, <laughs> so I just reminded one thing when you were talking about IGDA and these meetings, like we, we do have them, not now because of the COVID, but, but normally you would have, you know, one company is always sponsoring it. And I remember this is like maybe 2011 and um, it was like an early supercell day. We were still working on digital chocolate, but they had started already supercell and they were just about that point pivoting from, uh, from browser games to iPad games, like iPad was a new thing. And I just remember it was like a digital chocolate sponsored IGDA. And we were kind of sitting in Supercell's town like, yeah, we, we gave uh, iPads to every worker in the company. We kind of looked at each other like, what a bubble. <laughs> so <laughs> so you have to say like, even though we're like a really friendly uh, environment we still kind of bust each other's balls a little bit you know in that, that sense but that was like i was i was there getting that ipad man. Yeah, that was, that was, like that a was transitional like moment it was yeah. like really like you know it, you know how ilka is so he's really good at you yeah. know spinning spinning something new into a team so it, it i think that that was a pivotal moment for that company but like going back where i think like the whole community and these events that like this is 2004 or five when this thing called Nail Games, which is like an organization mm. to help out like developers uh, network, you know, help out with like partnering with foreign publishers, whatnot. That was like in 2005, the thing to do uh, to go to E3 on a, you know, a plane load of Finnish developers. So they facilitated a lot of those kind of things. And like, I think there's also this other Thing that needs to be mentioned is the government funding that we have for startups which which is something that i think is super unique in the the whole world is that like you know there's there's at least four different tiers kind of like how you can get funding from the government first off it's like a five thousand euro innovation voucher or whatnot for using for consultancy costs like legal fees and then when you start raising your first cash uh, like i think they have a tempo uh, funding, what it's called, where you get 30, 30K uh, if somebody else puts 30K into the company, a minimum of 30K. And then from there, you go on to like hundreds of thousands where you can basically double the cash with a loan and grant from the government. And so they're matching the cash. And then the, the biggest thing is this young innovation companies funding that the, the Business Finland has, which goes up to 1.2 million or something. Uh, once you hit some revenues like stable revenues so that like all of this very favorable the terms never convert to equity or whatnot that the government owns your company and if you fail you never need to pay back the cash uh, and only if you're wildly successful you need to put money down and, and the cool thing is that you know all the companies are you know u- utilizing this whole whole process like I think Supercell has been one of the biggest hits of Business Finland, like how much they've gotten back in, you know, taxes, because all of this is, of course, paid by the, the taxpayers. But it's sort of like showing that these programs really matter in this country. I have a I have a story related. So so when we were in the in the final stage of closing the, the rocket pack deal to Disney, um, obviously, we disclosed everything and, and we had like we had a small R&D loan from 
from from from Tekes at the time, and and I think like the the official name of Tekes back then in English was like the National Center of Innovation and for Technology or something like that, which which to uh, an acquiring U.S. company probably sounded like extremely socialist in a way, and uh, and and they were just blown away. They were like like you you guys got a grant and you got a loan from the government and the government doesn't own a part of you and they were like extreme like the, the the u.s guys were like extremely both perplexed and impressed that you have this sort of uh public funding uh available in finland where where the government doesn't take a part of your company and doesn't take equity but actually gives you grants and loans that you can then pay back yeah, yeah, definitely that, and and of course the healthcare system, the safety, and everything that that comes along with it really facilitates the sort of environment where becoming an entrepreneur is not. It's always a risk, but it's not that big of a risk where you end up losing everything. So that's uh that's that's definitely you know helpful for founders. But um let's let's talk about let's talk about the, the situation today and nowadays. What's different compared to like the Nokia times, where Nokia was was this company that that created this cluster. It never sold. It went public. It was this big company that acquired others, and it was very finished. But nowadays, we can find that I mean, what what is happening is that the founders exit early and often. You know, apart from maybe Rovio and Remedy and Next Games that are have all IPO'd, all of the top studios have been sold. Like we have, you know, to Zynga, to Ubisoft, to Tencent, to Playtica, even Supercell have been sold twice. It's like, what do you think is like, what do you think is driving this type of trend? And what are the effects long term? Like, are we losing this cluster because of selling or is it on the other way, just helping us to grow this cluster? I think it's like, I think this all, all of this is kind of like generational. So there's, there's a lot of folks there who already sold their first companies like 15 years ago in the aughts like between 2000 and 2010 and they came back to do another studio basically going from you know exiting with like eight figures to exiting with nine figures so from tens of millions to 100 millions so i think the the next phase will be super interesting because a lot of these these people who who've sold companies they're still around making games so it's not not like something that you re- retire to the tropical island but you rather like stay here in the dark in Finland and keep on chugging new games out. So, but what then happens is the goalpost moves for several people. I'm not saying that every one of them will go after the opportunity to, to build a billion dollar company after that. But I, that's my big bet that what will happen is that, you know, portion of these people who, who've done well will continue and it will just, you know, keep on taking the, the whole ecosystem forward and eventually you know as as you stack up more and more of these gaming wealthy gaming individuals into one one ecosystem the odds of eventually having more of these billion dollar companies besides supercell is is should be pretty high and either either they do it themselves or they just go and fund the people who will be trying to do that so the the capital and the people will still stay around in the industry because they I think it's an industry where you can't really like leave <laughs> that's what I've seen myself as well I can't leave this industry <laughs> you would say like success breeds success because in in one way you see these people staying in the ecosystem and funding the new companies but on the other hand when you're up here far away from from you know for all the different type of clusters when you see companies 
doing so well that have started here with the people who you actually know and they're doing so well, it kind of makes you feel that you could do it too. It doesn't, it's not as crazy as if you would be starting a game company, in, I don't know, in France, in somewhere France, Lyon. I don't know why I'm saying that city, but, but there's no gaming companies to my knowledge. And if somebody starts one, it's kind of weird and nobody kind of believes in them because they don't have a predecessor, if you will. What do you think? I, I think each ecosystem needs like, you know, heroes and success stories and, 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 and like aspirational, aspirational figures and, and stories. And I think, I think for this, the, the sort of the generation that has been creating these awesome companies in the last five years and, and exiting them, I think for them, the biggest sort of sea change was probably uh, when Rovio broke through with Angry Birds, because that sort of showed everybody. And I, I think I wrote a, a tweet storm about this one a couple of years ago, that that sort of, to, to Joachim's point, that moved the goalposts again. It's like, oh, we can be, you know, number one in mobile gaming. Um, and obviously after that, Supercell's amazing success has, has, has sort of, you know, accelerated that. And, and I think like, like pound for pound, the, the, the amount of talent uh, and the talented teams that we have in this ecosystem is, 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 is mind blowing, I think still. And I think we see, we keep on seeing like, you know, new, new companies coming up and, but oftentimes it is, it is like Joachim said, it's like they, they, they have experience or, or they've seen, you know, success at a very high level, which they want to aspire to themselves, but maybe they want to do it like five times bigger than they had the, the last time. So, so I think, like you said, Mishka, uh, you know, success beats success. And I think we're well positioned to do that. But I think, you know, the trend that you were speaking to and what Joachim was saying, I'm actually, I've been thinking about this quite a lot. And I think, I actually, I agree with you, Joachim. I think the next stage is like, maybe we come buyers instead of sellers. Like maybe the mm -hmm. Helsinki companies start to consolidate and to buy. And, and maybe we yeah. don't, we're not as eager to sell anymore because, because if yeah. I look at Stockholm now, and I look at two companies in particular in Stockholm, um, Embracer on the on the sort of PC console side, and then Steelfront on the mobile side, who are, you know, being uh, like, you know, uh, doing a strategy that's extremely acquisitive. So so they're they're buying a ton of studios. They're they're rolling them up, and they're they're um, they're creating these these empires of 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 amazing game studios. And and while, all the while, you know, um, sort of having their HQ in Sweden and, and, and their operations and, and sort of their culture as a, as a Nordic culture. But, but instead of, of them being sellers, they're the buyers and they're the consolidators and, 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 and the operators. So I, I think, you know, I, this is, this is me putting my, my Finnish hat on obviously, but I, I would, I would love to see, you know, this happen in, in Helsinki and Finland as well, that, that, that we, we, our best companies become consolidators as well, instead of, instead of, of, of exiting to, to US companies, for example. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I'm talking about pound for pound talent and one of the, you know, pound for pound king, oh, well, that's a, that's a bad, <laughs> so pound for pound best, let's put it this way, has been Supercell. And they have achieved amazing results with small teams that are driven by autonomy. And this has clearly boosted the ecosystem here because what they have shown, what can be achieved with quote unquote, so little, uh, meaning so few people, um, has set sort of a precedent of what the ecosystem here looks like. Uh, no matter what company you go into, they look up to Supercell, how they can do games with 15, well now maybe 30 people. Uh, but in my opinion, 
um, this is just my opinion, it kind of sets a ceiling for modern mobile games that are not that simple, that require a lot from live ops, that require a lot in terms of production. So do you see, do you see the sort of established studios evolving from this mantra of small autonomous team? Uh, or is it something that should remain the competitive advantage of the Helsinki scene? What's, what's your view on of this sort of a president set up uh, by Supercell? Joachim, you want to go ahead? Yeah, I, I'm a big fan of the small teams model, but I think like there, like there are certain advantages, for instance, for Finland. So just thinking about the the whole like going into startups and thinking about the investment landscape, like in the Nordics, the seed stage companies, the valuation is much lower than in the states, for instance. Like mostly because the you know you're not gonna need a big salary to survive in Finland because uh, healthcare is paid by taxes, everything, like you have a lot of safety nets. But like coupling that with like what small teams really do well, I think there's there's some examples of a shift. Like uh, a lot of developers have now been ditching this whole soft launch phase, but it's mostly like it's it's going live. And then you start scaling your UA efforts to to bring a game up. So... As that happens, they scale up the team as well. But they always start with that small group of people, like four, three to four people who, who prove that the core is something that they can build, that it's going to work. Uh, and I think that's, that's like coupling with, with having like a need to raise less cash early on. So you put less risk to, to what you kind of committed to do in Finland, that creates a lot of huge advantages. But I think it's the autonomy and the small teams approach. I don't yet see something changing that, but I think it changes because we're sort of like getting rid of the, the soft launch and the hard launch model. Yeah, but I, I do think like one of the competitive advantages that we have here in Helsinki is the ability to to be extremely efficient and and have these small teams, and I think, you know, from a from an investor from an early stage investor perspective, um, being able to create products with very lean teams is is an amazing superpower because then you have, I think, then you have a uh, uh, what what you would call a, a potentially low cost of failure. So and you can test a lot of things um, with, with 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 less capital, for example. So. And, and and you're more you're you can be much more um, agile and 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 iterating to, based on what the market is telling you um, with, with with smaller teams. So I think I think that's a superpower that the Helsinki-based teams have. Other there are other ecosystems as well who are who are similar. But I I think uh, you know I uh, I would strive if if I was a founder to sort of keep keep that culture and mentality. But obviously you know as as the gaming gaming world changes and and there's more and more need for for continued live ops over over a number of years if 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 not over decades um i think i think you know the finnish finnish uh, companies have to evolve accordingly as well but uh, but i think especially in the earliest stages like staying lean and and being extremely efficient is 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 definitely a superpower miska what do you think about well, this you, ceiling think, that you were talking about so i don't I don't so really okay. understand. <laughs> let, let me explain to you. I do agree with both. So I've started with with small teams, uh, like everybody else here, and I I, I truly believe it is a superpower that we have here. It's not even a superpower. It's just 
understanding what you can do with a small team where people have autonomy, where they have clear ownership and where they can truly contribute instead of being clogs in a larger machine. What I mean yeah. by limitation is this. So coming back from the US and working a little bit in bigger teams and, and seeing what you can achieve by bigger, I mean just 30, 40, 50 people, not like 300, 600, 800, like you would see in, in large, larger ones. Coming back and trying to grow teams, it was quite clear that people don't have experience in working in even a mid-sized team here. Mm. And they get extremely afraid when the team size pushes over 20 because now the working methods are moving. Like now you have to have more structured. Now everything, now everybody doesn't have to have a say. Now it's a little bit less democracy. Now it's a little bit clear leadership. And, and those are the type of things that, that again, company, uh, countries that have that, those largely like AAA games, they have problems of starting something lean because they've only worked in big studios. But then what I was seeing here is that we have a little bit of a challenge of scaling up because that's something that apart from remedies haven't done before. That's what I meant. Yeah. Okay. It's so, sort of like the leadership level or kind production, of like structures. Production yeah. expertise. Just, uh, just understanding yeah. that at some point, not everybody has an opinion. That's basically yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, a, a skill that like, you don't really get to practice in this small Exactly. At small some group. point, it's important to do designs and not just draw it on a white paper. And I think this is changing now that we are in the times of COVID. Now you have to have use more tools, more documentation. Uh, but in, in, in my experience, that has been something that, that came a little bit of a surprise because scaling up teams, I just noticed that people got extremely worried when the team size went over 20. That, that was basically it. Yeah. Got it. Yeah, it, it it's also like it, it's not a one size fits all thing, right? And I think I think that's that that can be you know since since Supercell has done so amazingly well, and like they've had the the model of these very independent cells that every like every new founder wants to model their studio, you know, in in a similar fashion. But again, like you know, the mileage varies, so it it, it doesn't fit every single founder, it doesn't fit every single studio, and doesn't fit every single category or type of game you're making. So. So I, I think, uh, but I, I think I think Mishka, you're you're probably right that that we don't have that apart from maybe you know Remedy Housemark, we don't have that call it like a AAA heritage of these these massive teams and 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 like these massive productions that that we could sort of um, utilize over here. So so definitely that's perhaps some something that where where Helsinki based studios should look should look to the US for example in 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 trying to hire some of these people who have that sort of experience yeah. Yeah. so so let's talk about talent a little bit so you know we as as how do you said we probably have more games talent per square kilometer than any other country in the world at the same time this is a very small town and the population of finland is only 5.5 million so how does helsinki been able to negate the talent problems and what should be what should the ecosystem do in the future to keep up with the growing team sizes? I know we talked about team size, but even Brawl Stars is now tens and tens of people. I don't know exactly how many, but that's kind of like the biggest game that came out of Finland on mobile and it's already pretty big. And, and so how do we do that as, as the ecosystem moves forward? Yeah, I'm, I'm really like loving this time period of people needing to practice this like remote working. Like the next stage would be to start looking at the distributed teams more, which is like fairly common in the States because the costs are so high. So there, the 
the kind of like the front runner entrepreneurs are looking into models where they have team members located in three or four continents and they're like shipping games that way so i if if i when i talk about these finnish teams and when i when i meet them it's it's sort of like they still want everybody to be in the same room which definitely has a lot of advantages but one like the, of the things that people should think about is like how do you how would you approach like the the current mo- mindset that we needed to learn in 2020 during covid about not being inside a single room or a studio together and if you need help there there must be like you know this kind of operational talent with experience with distributed teams who could help out and if those teams start adapting that model i think that would give an upper hand to to a lot of people because like it definitely there is a talent problem in finland uh you know we have so many promising startups each of them are trying to hire and then you have big companies that can give safety uh, a salary like that it just doesn't scale that well if you're just pr- trying to bring everybody in who lives in helsinki already at the same time i think joachim i think i think talent is becoming even if they're not founders to start up they're coming more and more becoming more and more entrepreneurial in the sense that that maybe they're uh, maybe the best talent is is willing to take more risk instead of opting for the bigger company and the bigger salary um you know the 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 ability to work on something they really love or have like a hands-on um effect um in in an in an early company and an early project i think i think that is more and more interesting because the downside risk is is actually quite small for talent right i mean if you join yeah. a startup and it doesn't work out it's not like it's, you're, you're probably going to stay unemployed for for half a day until somebody <laughs> I've had so many countless discussions with people who are still worried about like being in startups so I I think that there's a lot of work to do there maybe it's more about communicating like how like like scarce the talent really no Joachim it's all about your (laughs) newsletter like every like I would say every second newsletter topic like even today you released one is like why do startups fail and there was an image of a guy next to a cliff (laughs) Yeah. It's like, Joachim, what kind of a messages are you saying? Like, <laughs> yeah, don't worry about it. There's a guy next yeah. to a cliff and there's like a 15 reasons why a startup fails. Like even as a founder, I, I feel depressed reading them. <laughs> yeah, well, it's the idea is to to kind of like reflect on like, hey, let's not, you know, do these mistakes. When are you going to do uh, a newsletter which says like, here's what a, what a success looks like. And I want to like cars and airplanes and like, let's do some motivational stuff. <laughs> there, there's, there's, there's another week next week. So maybe it okay. will show up. <laughs> yeah, let's do an uptick on that. But, um, <laughs> but so, so when we're talking about, we're talking about talent, let's talk about VCs. And then of course, Joachim, you have a, you have an angel investment fund and how are you running? Probably one of the best, if not the best pre-seed, seed fund uh, for gaming in the world. So how do VCs look at Helsinki? Like it used to be super hot, especially with with Rovio and, and Supercell and Small Giant and Sirius. I mean, there's a lot, a lot of these companies. Like what is what is the situation now? Has it cooled down a little bit? Is it, but or is it is it still like the, the, the creme de la creme? I, I think it's still the gold standard, to be honest. Like, uh, 
I think whenever you have a Helsinki-based new company coming out for, for fundraising and talking to international investors, I think, I think you know, everybody pays attention, right? So I think, I think the gold standard is still there. I, I, but I think there's, new, there's a lot of new ecosystems popping up as well, which are extremely hot right now and, and interesting. Like I could just raise a few, like, you know, for example, Turkey, Istanbul, um, ex- extremely interesting. Vietnam, for example, is extremely interesting. Um, India is coming up in a big way now that smartphone penetration is is on 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 a massive rise. So I think there's like, but I think there's also like there's also a, an element of surprise where people are like, are there still more companies coming out of Helsinki? Like I thought that was it, right? And this was and this was also like like what what literally was on some VCs' minds. This is this is pre pre our our fund, for example, like. Like people couldn't believe that the Nordics could could produce like uh, you know more successes after Supercell and and King basically, um, but uh, I think I think we keep on you know impressing and 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 the, the Nordics and especially Helsinki keeps on on surprising a lot of these investors with the amount of of quality new companies um, you know emerging almost almost monthly. Yeah, I think like. Going back seven, six, seven years, uh, when Supercell was sold, and like Helsinki was the hottest place in gaming, which it still is. But that was like a an interesting time when I was talking to some investors, looking at the Helsinki-based startups, and they told me that there was like a, a Helsinki premium in place. So if you would be raising at a six million valuation uh, for a mobile studio. But if you were in Helsinki, you could get two million on top of that valuation, go to eight million, because you are in Helsinki. So I, I think those days are a bit over. I think if you're looking at any of the amazing gaming hubs all over the world, like Istanbul, Tel Aviv, uh, other places like in Europe, there's so many places where there's like booming mobile gaming startups. I think the investors are sort of at that sophistication level nowadays that they can spot a great team who knows what they're doing, what they're talking about, uh, what is their approach for a market that they're going after. And it's not so much about like where they're based at anymore. So, so kind of bringing this, this home, it's like what in your opinion has gone right with the evolution of the gaming ecosystem here in Helsinki and what could have been done better? I think what went right was the exact thing that we doubled down on mobile and we weren't so uh, much trenched into PC and console in the back in the day. So all that legacy kind of like from, from mobile is paying big today. Uh, like it's not only Helsinki, you got hubs in Tampere, in Turku, in Oulu. Uh, all of these bigger university cities are also like having their own mobile gaming startups uh, booming in those places uh, so I, I think the the whole thing about like Nokia going away was just like hey this is like now we're on our own now we need to figure out what we're going to do and then the distribution opened up so we had we had all the the right right talent right ambition and I think it's going to be growing from there but I think like what really could have gone better is that like we were suffering from from like a lack of smart money, in quotes, like in Finland for several years before we had 
VCs coming from outside of Finland to take a look at the companies here. Once Supercell was big and there was more success happening, uh, people leaving Rovio, starting companies, uh, that that became easier. And of course, like Harry and his fund are doing amazing work now in the, the whole ecosystem. They're kind of like leading that way. We have a couple of other gaming funds, like very like local kicking off. And like one, one thing that I'm trying to push now is this angel investor community in gaming, because like it's been a bit tough for for people who might have the wealth and the interest to invest. Uh, they might not know gaming. So there's a lot of people who made money in other industries and they've been they've been doing angel investing, but usually that's not, again, the most smartest money you can have. So I'm trying to kind of like couple the successful founders with the new founders. Mm-hmm. I think this is the, the model that Silicon Valley became dominant in tech was that they they didn't have a problem regarding capital, but they they needed to kind of like start putting the smart money into work from the early stages already. And that has happened in the last uh, 10 to five years through AngelList and those kind of factors. So I, I want to push that now in, in the Nordics and in gaming. And I think like the biggest area of improvement um, is like what should happen in Finland still is that we have game development is kind of like this, the purest form is what's happening regarding education. So we have, we have like a lot of game design, game programming, artists, uh, audio design coming from the universities, but we're lacking like marketing and, and user acquisition, like education. So none of the universities that I've been talking to who teach game development have, have looked into setting up some kind of courses regarding user acquisition and performance marketing, which is still like going to be one of the, the major drivers in, in gaming. Don't you think that just being good in math is kind of enough? Like we've seen, we've seen folks kind of catch UA pretty quickly as long as you have strong mental. Yeah, I guess it's then then up to the companies to to create that learning environment where you transition people into certain roles which are interesting. But yeah, I think like because there is so much education in gaming happening already, like, like why not sort of like look at the real like like areas where there is requirement for talent and i think finland has always struggled with with ua talent okay true what do you think not not much to add to great great summary by by joachim i would say like one thing that i think we uh you know the ecosystem over here can still improve and it hasn't been great is like um, attracting foreign talent, uh, I, I say there's still there's still uh, it's 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 better now and it's improving. But I think there's still there's still a ways to go. I think I think there's uh, we still have problems with with uh, with immigration. If if we have talent coming from outside of the EU, like some of those approvals just take too long. Um, we have and and that's 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 a way to sort of also fight the the talent shortage is to yeah. is to look abroad. And and I think you know that that is something where we need to strive to get better. And I think there's a there's a lot of pressure already being put on the Finnish government to improve this. Um, from people like like Ilka Panan and the CEO of Supercellis has been very vocal about improving this, this and uh, and I, I hope that will get better. And I think that's that's probably one of the things that's missing when you going back to Joachim's point about about Silicon Valley and 
and I, I, I firmly believe that that this is we're, we're still in the or you know the the opening stages of of Helsinki Helsinki becoming um, the you know the Silicon Valley of, of of mobile. So so it's it's still early days. I think there's a lot of growth left. But I think one of the things we we have to figure out is how do we attract foreign talent? How do we attract you know the the immigrant founders? Because that's one of the things that Silicon Valley has done so well. Is like yeah the majority of the of of, of or, or a big big chunk of the super successful companies are actually founded by by people who've moved into the states. Um, and and set up their companies over there, and uh, I think you know predominantly the the, the Finnish uh, gaming uh, successes are, are still uh, founded by by native Finns. So I think I think if we can expand um, you know that talent and, and and bring in founders from from outside of the world, and I think I just had a chat with with Tekes earlier today, and they actually have a startup visa now that they're pushing, which is mm-hmm. great. So you can you can come from outside of the EU and and set up a company here in Helsinki. So. The more we get of that diverse talent, um, you know, I, I think I think we can even keep on proving as an ecosystem. I think to some extent, like I'm I'm a person who came back from 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 US here, and uh, to some extent, when you look at the ads of of like why would you relocate to Finland, I think they're advertising a little bit of wrong things. Like they might show Helsinki as like, oh, you can go to sauna and it's so nice and the nature is cool, but that's not really what drives you here. The um, <laughs> you've got free education, free healthcare. The uh, the daycare is practically free. Um, it's super safe. Uh, so so those are the elements. Like it's so family friendly, and I think they don't advertise that part enough because those yeah. are the really valuable things for anybody who's a parent. Because once you're a yeah. parent, I don't give a shit about that. I could go to a sauna. I don't have time to go to a sauna in, in the middle of the lake, like, <laughs> or because that's how you advertise Barcelona. Like, come here, drink some sangria, look at the sunset, maybe a little bit of dancing, maybe a little bit of coding. Who, who knows what's yeah. going to happen? <laughs> but but yeah. here it's like if you have a family or a stable person, this is the place for you. And in that in that sense, I think we have an advantage because we can pull very senior talent, not not the, maybe the youngest and and youngest of them all but there were those who have kids and i think that's this is a great place to to have a family in so yeah yeah definitely completely agree and i think i i would also i would also like highlight like a focus on excellence over here like because because fins are like you know fins are sometimes quiet and 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 not very animate when they talk and, and and you can you can read those signs in the wrong way i mean fins are extremely competitive I mean, if we weren't com- if we weren't competitive and ambitious, like we wouldn't do as well on the global stage. Mm-hmm. So I think I think that's that that's something that uh, I think I want to undermine is that that you know we, we we're not the most vocal and we're not the most brash, but uh, but but things are extremely competitive, and I think I think that could be a part of 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 sort of that marketing message is also like you know excellence in craft and especially when it comes yeah. to mobile games. I mean, the excellence in quality, I think. I think that could be an interesting angle as well. Yeah, there's there's actually been a lot of people reaching out to me on LinkedIn that hey when when the COVID is over I'm gonna come to Finland and can you show me around? So if anybody here listening wants to be shown around, uh, reach out to me on LinkedIn. I'll yeah, definitely do it. A tour with game. <laughs> <laughs> a tour with elite game developers. <laughs> yeah, you don't need to be alone in this country. So, so let's let's uh, let's finish up with the last question. What do you think is going to be the the future of this gaming ecosystem here in Helsinki or in Finland as a whole? Yeah, I think more more startups. There's going to be more talent, more capital. Like 
we have all the sort of like resources that we'd need. I think we can attract people. Uh, so I think the evolution will be that we will have companies. It's going to be a long tail of startups. Uh, it's going to be even longer. There's going to be a lot more small starts happening, but also like the the sort of like the top of the top will also get higher that we will eventually get uh, more companies, public gaming companies who are doing M&A sort of like, like Harry was talking about the, the steel front and the embracer model. I think that will be one of the, the models that could uh, happen for growth in, in the Finnish, Finnish companies. So I, I think all of those options are definitely on the table. Do you think we're going to have other than, so we, we are strong in gaming studios. Uh, we have a couple of service companies like Geek Lab is, is, you know, it's still quite small. Game Refinery is not that big. Uh, we don't have the app flyers, the iron sources, the, you know, the, the eight, eight billion IPO companies. Do you think we're going to see more of the gaming ecosystem companies, not just studios arising from Finland? That could happen. I think there's, there are our service gaming service companies already coming up like uh, gaming ad creative uh, setups uh, these kind of services I think that that area will certainly naturally go up as well as we evolve as a whole industry all right then we've already had that there's already been success cases in that I mean uh, you know easy anti-cheat which became Gamu was acquired by Epic Games And obviously, amplifiers exit to Unity, and with Unity's current valuation, like that's a unicorn exit. Um, so, and they were they were quite essential in, and still still that that ad side of the business is is extremely essential to Unity. So, so that that's a good point. I, I think I think we'll see growth on in in every sector. I mean, gaming gaming studios content, but but uh, but uh, basically gaming services as well. Yeah, perfect. So I want to thank you for for joining and. For those interested in the Helsinki City Tour with Joachim, yeah. please, please do connect. <laughs> Hit me up. Hit me on up. LinkedIn. And for those interested in getting investment from probably the best pre-seed seed fund, connect with Harry. Thank you. All right. Thank you. And Thanks a lot. Till the next episode.